Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy, and uh, for the last year and a half, we've been doing a pretty standard interview format show where uh, I sit down with someone for about an hour, and we try to figure out their lives. Uh, I attempted to do that with the wonderful, talented musician Heather Christian a few weeks ago, and uh, we did. We had such a wonderful interview. It was about 90 minutes long. It was raining really hard outside, and uh, it was one of those episodes that I was really excited to share. And then, uh, I will just be honest, last weekend when uh, Dylan and I were in the process of uh, starting editing this show, I could not find the file of the interview. In my eight or nine years of interviewing people, this has actually never happened before. I've never full-on lost a conversation with another person. And that is why this week we are doing uh, a brief episode about loss. Last week on the Michael Imperioli podcast, I uh, put a call out there for listeners to submit stories in which they lost someone or something, and then uh, we were going to share them on the show. But... Um, I have a feeling those who listen uh, were a bit shy about offering up a potentially tragic story about loss. And so we didn't receive 
any submissions. Not one. I, I did not get a voicemail. I did not get an email. And, uh, you know, this is not Death, Sex, Money, Banana Sale. So I think it was an unusual ask. So I apologize for the unusual ask. But but look, um, it's Saturday morning. I woke up and realized we do not have a show. And so uh, we made a show. So what you're about to hear are three different conversations. Um, the first one is with Heather Christian uh, as we talk about our lost episode together and then a whole bunch of other interesting things. Um, and then my dad shares a story about loss. And then uh, my best friend, Harrison Cameron, and I go over uh, the disappearance of one of our friends. Throughout these three conversations, you're going to hear uh, bits and pieces of music. Usually all the music you hear on this show is uh, originally produced by Dylan Peck. But since we were going to have Heather on this week and uh, we don't have a full interview with her, we figured we'd use a bunch of her music. It is really, really incredible work, and uh, you should seek it out. So anyway, with that context, let's call Heather. Oh, God. No, she doesn't hate me. Oh, boy. No. Hi, Sam. Oh, Heather. (laughs) How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I did. I just did a whole intro where I um admitted how guilty I felt about this whole thing. (laughs) Well, don't feel too guilty. Only feel guilty Uh, as long as it is theatrical. So the point of this show now, uh, in lieu of an hour conversation that we had that was so good <laughs> that people that people are just never going to hear truly the only lost episode of this show's history oh my god um yeah i mean i, I, I can't, it was so good i feel like i i did the interview in a fugue state i don't even remember what we talked about i have no idea no idea no i i barely remember you at all so yeah. it's, it's it's great that's good to hear <laughs> um so do you have a story where you also lost something, perhaps not a podcast episode, but something mm-hmm. or someone that yeah. you'd want to share. Sure. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot because, um, as we discussed before, um, you, you dubbed me that 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 loss is my wheelhouse. Um, I do think that that's accurate. I said that? <laughs> yes, loss is my wheelhouse. <laughs> I mean, what kind of fucking person am I? What am I saying? No, you're a very, like, you're a very insightful person because it's completely accurate. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> loss is my wheelhouse. Um, and um, I I had this long plan of like, oh, I should talk about my house fire because I lost everything. But um, upon waking, I remembered something that I haven't remembered in a long time. Um, I do remember talking to you at that interview that is henceforth lost about the nature of memory, about how every time that we remember something, we change it. I don't think I've remembered this very often. So it could be very close to accurate. Um, So um, I want to talk about the air that I've lost. The air. The air. Um, When I was, (laughs) when I was uh, sometime between the age of 10 and 13, sort of in that weird, awkward puberty changer rooney that happens um, 
we started going on these uh, vacations, these family vacations to exotic places. Um, and I was like, I feel like I was really seeing new places for the first time and like a little piece of my like adventurer, explorer, artist brain just like lit up like a Christmas tree. And um, I really started writing in those on those vacations. And I started to do this thing that I loved. I started to collect air from these places. I would like find a bottle that I liked and I would go in the air and I would collect this air and then I would cork it and then I would bring it back home. Um, You'd make that sound? Mm -hmm. I would make that sound while I was doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, right, like, I don't know much about science, even still. So I don't, you know, the air was not sacred. But in my heart, this air is sacred. Um, and when uh, this this practice stopped when I was like 14 years old, and I kept these bottles like on my mantelpiece in my room at home. And uh, one day, my I came home from school and uh, the bottles were gone. And my mom had gone on this cleaning rampage and I, I, I sort of like, I, I was like, oh God, oh God, what'd she do? What she, did she throw them away? And I ran into her room and I was like, what'd you do with my bottles? What'd you do with my air? And she, she was like, oh, I didn't throw them away. I didn't throw them away. I cleaned them. So she had uncorked all of the air, all of the magic, magic air and let all the magic air from these places out in favor of cleaning these bottles and making them look gorgeous again. And I cried probably for two weeks, two weeks, like all of the magic, <sighs> J- just because of the air, not because of the bottles themselves, just because of the air. Um, and that is like the stupidest example that I can think of, of and kind of like uh, a good example of how I feel about <laughs> things that I lose. It's the aura. It's the aura of the thing that I'm heartbroken about. It's not the actual thing itself. Um, yeah, it's it's almost, it's never the thing. It's always the sentiment around it. Totally. Um, that like, it, and, and, and that's the problem with it is that you can't... Um, replace or replicate the sentiment no you can't and once you've decided that something is the magic is gone whether or not that theory holds water it's just the whole the whole operation's down the drain did your mom feel guilty no no (laughs) (laughs) no my mom was like what what it was air it was air um right there's no real way to explain to somebody that this is and like as I was trying to explain to her that this was a major major loss I I remember being feeling so stupid feeling of course like of course I'm a fucking idiot it's air it's air I'm heartbroken <laughs> <laughs> it, it is like a strange like you took away like because the, the bottles are still there it'd be different if she threw away the bottles yeah but she she just disposed of the air. Right. And that's a tough thing to defend for sure. <laughs> uh, yep. And thus begins an entire life of mourning imaginary things. Based on the story you just gave us. Yes. What age do you remember being, um, re- recognizing that you're like a little strange? Oh. Oh. Like 
three. Like, early. Early. But I grew up in a town, um, or in a neighborhood, rather. I mean, because when you're not mobile, uh, the parameters of your world are very tight. Um, there were no kids. Um, so I... I, I was friends with my next door neighbor, Miss Margaret, but she was in her 70s. And she would let me dig in her yard. Um, and that was kind of the only, she was the only friend that I had. The rest of the people were sort of like retirement age people who didn't want to deal with a kid. So especially before my brother was born, I knew that I was other. And that is either because, um, that's either because I just was by nature of my age or um, but it's the same feeling that I had when I was like 11 and started looking around at all the kids going, oh, God, I feel <laughs> I feel older. It's the same kind of other. It's the same kind of other that I felt then. So I, I think that three, probably three was was around when I kind of knew. Um, that's, I've never. That's, a, that's, I've, an, er, that's an early age. Uh, yeah, but I. Yeah, but I also feel like that's the age where you start to um, have thoughts about this is me, right? This is when you start to sort of self-identify yourself as an entity separate from your surroundings, I think, um, and can start to like think in the third person of like, oh, I'm thinking this, not just I'm thinking this, but oh, I'm thinking this. This is a different voice outside myself. Um, mm. so I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't ever remember feeling like I belonged somewhere. That's, that's not a feeling I've ever really had. I was about to say, isn't that still true now? Totally true. Totally true. Now that you say that, I feel like we talked a lot about that before. <laughs> I do, see, I, I do remember this part of the conversation, but you know, now that, now that we've had a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. To think on it, um, I remember at the time when you said it, I felt like I didn't entirely believe you. Yeah. Like because I because there's something about you to me that seems like very magnetic, and um, charismatic. Mm. That I and I that I have a hard time believing that like you would feel uh, unwanted, or especially peculiar in a group of people. No, I've I've I always feel unwanted and peculiar, but I am from the south and was raised by an incredibly extroverted and like socially charismatic woman. Um so I learned to play ball. Um <laughs> I know how to <laughs> I know how to I and I know that like if I'm visibly uncomfortable and if I'm visibly peculiar um in varying degrees, depending on your surroundings, um, that that makes other people uncomfortable, and the the last thing I want to do is make people uncomfortable. So I play ball real good at this point. I've been doing it for a real long time. Why do you think you are afraid of making people uncomfortable? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I well, there's two hypotheses. Nature versus nurture. Either I am a person that naturally just feels like um, I am I am alone all the time and I'm very, very small um, so that putting myself in any situation is going to screw it up and I'm going to be an inconvenience. So the smaller that I can be and the more um, passive I can be in a social situation, the better. That's either a program that I just have in my DNA or... 
I am from Mississippi and I was raised to be generous and hospitable. And um, I don't know where those things, I mean, there's a little bit of like a, a hostess gene. There's a hostess gene of like, is there, is everybody okay? Um, you know, uh, who's, who's not, who's not talking to who, um, <laughs> who can't eat what, um, let's not, let's not talk about that. There's a constant like 360 degree radar awareness of like how people are. You had and still have, um, a, a core belief in, in spirits. Mm. And, and I, I am still coming around to the idea though. After the disappearance of this episode, I'm pretty sure they exist. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just a complete dumbass. Um, <laughs> so I, that this is kind of where the like the last thing I want to ask you is like, have you had a spirit that has um, you know faded away? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean several, but I don't know what that's about. I mean I. Right. Like my belief in spirits is sort of uh, comes with a lot of qualifications. Like, I don't know what it is. I think like what I call a spiritual matter might just be an energetical one. Like it may just be like leftover vibration or a leftover something. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, so I uh, yeah, I mean, I've especially like within my family, like there will be family members that I feel very, very strongly for a certain period of time. And then I don't feel at all. Um, and again, that's hard to, that's hard to say. Is that because I don't remember them as much or is that because my grieving process is over? Is that a choice that I have made involuntarily with chemicals in my brain? Or is that like because there's an actual spiritual situation taking place where they've just sort of left? Um, the most like uh, hard and fast example that I have of that is uh, my grandpa. My grandpa was like a traveling vaudeville actor and clown makeup artist. Um, he died when I was 12. And for he's also furious that he's not in your show. He's not in my show. <laughs> he's not in my show. He was upset about that. He sort of very came, angry. Yeah. I mean, he disappeared for a long time and then he came back. Oh, God, I guess I was I, I mean, we had almost we were we were it was the end of the rehearsal process. It was like late September. He showed up to me um, and was like, why the am I not in this play? Yeah. <laughs> I just got this feeling that he was 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 pissed um that he wasn't in the play because <laughs> he's a big ham and he would want me to tell his story um which we don't. Um I wanted to really try to focus on uh the women as much as I could. Um but uh yeah, grandpa, I felt until I was 18 um and then Vamoose, as soon as I moved to New York City, he was gone. Um and that that was that um and some of my family says that that's because he's moved on my uncle pat um used to have uh conversations with my grandpa on the phone in his dreams where grandpa would give him an update as to what state and purgatory he was currently residing in um and uh whether you know how he was and the last time that uncle pat had a dream um 
grandpa was like leaving his junkyard vaudeville troupe and mm. going to like play a big house. He was going to go play a big house in like a, you know, in a legitimate theater. So we all took that to mean that grandpa was moving on. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that was a couple of years ago. So maybe, maybe, maybe. Have you gotten better with um, accepting that people and things just invariably fade away? Have I gotten better at what? Handling it. Handling it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, it's well, it's funny because it's we think that we can we think we can program ourselves, or we think that like grief is a muscle that you can just exercise and get good at like everything else. But, you know, no, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. At least, I mean, now, now I can sort of like observe the feelings as I'm having them um, or, uh, you know, observe my physical behavior and know what has worked for me in the past to help me get through it. But that doesn't mean that I choose to do those things. Um, because ultimately <laughs> loss is still something that takes you over and makes you want to wallow for a while. Um, so who knows, man, but everybody's different. Maybe there are people out there that don't wallow. I'm a wallower. I'm a wallower. Oh, I think I mean, it's productive. I, I think, I think we're both wallowers. Uh, you know, <laughs> n no delusions about it. Um, yep. Heather, where can people give me, give me like do a plug, do like an old school plug of anything and, and everything you want people to hear. Okay. <laughs> old school plug. Um, all of my music is on Bandcamp. That is www.heatherchristian.bandcamp.com, um, except for the Lemon soundtrack, which you can buy on iTunes. Um, I am also in the middle of um, collecting memories for a childhood memory harvest that I'm writing a big piece of classical music about. And I've set up a voicemail for literally anybody and in the world to call and leave me a very secret voicemail about a childhood memory they have so I can turn it into a big old classical fugue. So mm. call it, leave me a memory. Um, you can find those things through my website. And uh, that's about it. That's about it right now. I'm, um, I'm writing for an adult swim show called The Shivering Truth, which will premiere in, I think, September, um, that I'm very excited about. And other than that, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Other than the, like the seven things I just said, like not much, <laughs> totally not much. Um, mm -hmm. Heather, well, we're going to do this again. Good. Uh, when you're here. Great. And, and I love I it. We'll talk to you before that. This was so fun. Thanks so much, Sam. So long. All right. Bye. Your hair and bones in the stratosphere. So my dad is probably not as sentimental as I am. I mean, it's pretty hard to be as sentimental as I am. But uh, I figured let's call him and see if there's something 
he wants to talk about. This is, unlike Heather, this is completely unplanned. He may not answer the phone. He may be mad that I'm using him for the show. Um, also, a sidebar. For those who've been listening to the podcast, uh, you know that I did that episode with my mom on episode 50. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's let's just call him and see what happens. There's a good chance we're going to talk about fantasy basketball, in which case we'll cut because no one needs to hear about that shit. All right. Oh, God. Oh, please answer. Please answer. Please answer. Please answer. Ooh. Answer. Hello? Hello? Hello, Dad? Hello? Yeah, you always fucking do this. You know, if it's not my number, you're yeah, so you skeptical. dummy. I don't know who the hell I mean, it is. Who, who do you think is calling on an I unknown have no number? Idea. You know, it's always it's always me. I swear to God, Never he, he always does this. He always does this. Dummy. Uh, hey, knucklehead. So we're doing an episode on the podcast this week where people are talking about um, loss. loss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how do you know that? Because I, I listen to the podcast. Oh, right, 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 right. I always forget that you listen to the show uh, mm-hmm. more than I think anyone else. What Do you have a memory like around the time that I was born where you lost something? Well, it was, I think, after after you were born. So you're about... Okay. You were... You were about two years old, I would have to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what I lost, and I don't think about it often, but it comes up every once in a while because it's a memory. It's What I lost was a memory. It had no significance whatsoever, no value whatsoever. But uh, it, was, it was a plaque. And... It 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 had the it had the dates on there of like nineteen oh one to nineteen twenty three. Um, like a red velvet on the other side of the plaque, and it was on top of it was all like glass, you know. Mm. So you could tell that it was it was old, and it was a sign, and it said Butcher Boy on it. And what what I got out of it, I was just fascinated with this plaque. Was that where I, where I got it from? It used to be a a, a butcher shop back on the mm. south side of Chicago. So uh, the reason why it's, it means so much to me is because it brings back my whole childhood. So my friends and I, we would go into this abandoned building, uh, and, and this building was—I can't say it was falling apart, but it was. It, it was abandoned for quite a while. And we would sneak in there, and we always thought about making like a little clubhouse in there and stuff. But it was so so dirty, and uh, we, we just couldn't get any electricity going into it. So we just decided, well, it just could be a place we can hang out. And the memory is just my friends and I doing things that, you know, that was, to me, it was, it was like an adventure. And I was always fascinated with, you know, old Chicago and the history about it. And I just felt like I found something of old Chicago. So this plaque mm. was way, 
it was it was pretty high up. Now, as a 11, 12 year old kid, it was probably probably only about 11 feet high. But at that time, it felt like it was 20 feet high. The bottom line is, I wanted that plaque. And for about two weeks, we were trying to plan how to get that plaque off that wall. Like a heist. Yes. Sneak in there, you know, because the owner was still living in the building. And it was a whole thing of we could only have a certain amount of time. We couldn't walk in there with a giant ladder. That was pretty obvious. What you know, what are you doing? So we finally came up with the strategy of just taking like these 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 boxes that you know that we get from this uh, supermarket. It was these boxes where you would have like milk in it. Back in the old days, it was you, they would they would carry the milk in these milk crates, and you know because it was all glass. So these milk crates work perfectly because you can stack them on top of each other and then you can, you can do a climb. So we, we take them in there once in a while. We take one, two, and eventually we had about five and I climbed. Now I finally got up there, but the plaque, it was like basically pressed into the wall. So now, okay, how do you get it out? So couldn't do that. So then the next day we went back and I had a screwdriver. Um, and I had to kind of like peel away a lot of the cement around it and, and just kind of take it off. And it was just so, I I just remember this. It was so, my friends and I were just cheering me on and I'm trying to get this plaque and, and then finally it came out and you can see like the, the back of it, it had all this kind of like a red velvet on it. And it just looked so important. Like I, it was almost like you know Indiana Jones going in there and finding something cool. <laughs> it's amazing. And my friends and I were just fascinated looking at it. And and I had it. I've had it since I was well. I had it. I was twelve years old. And right away, I I got it. Got a got a towel wrapped wrapped a towel around it, and basically left mm-hmm. it like that for years. And it would go with me from apartment to apartment, place to place. I never even left that. That's the one thing I never left at my mom's house. Like, so I, I moved out around 19, but that, that, that one item I've always, I just took with me along with my, you know, some baseball cards that were worth some money and things like that. Memories. And I, I shared that story with, with a person one day. And next thing I know, when, when that person left, because um, I asked that person to leave, it was gone. And I and I didn't know that until maybe four or five months later, because I put it away in a particular place. And that was, that, that hurt. And there was no way of me going back and trying to call this person and say, hey, you know, where's my plaque, you know, to work something to me. It's all sentimental. Pretty hard to call the police because it has, it has no value whatsoever. Plus the right. fact that, you know, I needed this person to be removed from my life as soon as possible. So I had no, like, I don't know, I can't say I didn't Leverage. have a right to call, but I, I, I didn't feel like, I said, you know what, I'm going to count my losses, and that was a big loss for me. Yeah, and, so this was, this, this was a roommate you had, essentially. Yeah. And they, they, so I, it, what's crazy is that do you think this person still has um 
the plaque. No. No, I'm I'm sure I'm sure as soon as they left out of it because they left in, in, in really bad bad terms, they just probably just put it in the trash. See, because it it meant something to me, and I, I gave you know the whole story, the whole like I'm like I'm trying to explain it to you, and and it was just it was a memory, and mm-hmm. it, it represent what it represented to me was my childhood, and the I want I guess you can call it the adventures of my childhood, which I, 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 I love my childhood. I just did. I, I was very fortunate. Uh, not with money, nothing like that. I just, growing up in that neighborhood in Chicago with my friends, doing the things we did, it was like, it was like no, no other place. And uh, I look at my students now and I, I feel bad for them because it's the same, same neighborhood that I grew up in and where they... Where I where I work at now, and they don't they don't do not even five percent of the things that we did, and then the, the neighborhood hasn't changed. There's still gangs. There's still you know drugs and graffiti and nonsense, and but it hasn't changed. What's changed is that these kids are in their houses playing video games and doing nonsense on Snapchat or whatever they do, and I was outside and. I, it, it was just a different thing. And um, I try to talk to them about that, and it seems like seems so foreign to them because they have no concept of what it means to to get dirty and have a good time and just live, you know. And um, so that that was uh, that was that was a big loss. I, you know, I can sit around here and talk about my dad and all these other things, all these things of tragedy and loss and things like that. But I. Uh, I'd rather keep it. Well, you know, you know how I am, Sam. I'm extremely private, crazy. I'm like Don Draper, man. I just, I don't, I don't like talking about myself. Just don't like doing it. Yeah, you're not like Don Draper because I don't think you're a drunk. <laughs> no, that's true. No, no, not not with that. But the, the privacy thing and the whole thing yeah. of being, being feeling comfortable talking about. It. I just, I don't, I don't, it's weird. This is weird to me. Um, I, I don't see, I don't, I don't understand people, these, um, I feel like an old man when I say this, but I don't understand the last two generations of, you know, wanting to expose their lives on these stupid shows and, and say, look, look, look how I am. These reality shows, it's beyond me. I can't, I can't even imagine doing that. Um, yeah. It's just strange. I, I think, I come from maybe from the generation from the thirties, you know, forties or something. I, mean, I don't know. You don't. You don't come from that. You come from. Uh, you were born in '66. I know, but uh, their, their mentality—the greatest generation of all time—the the one that went to World War II. Their mentality was like, you do, you do the job, you shut the fuck up, and you move on. You don't. You don't. You don't take praise. You don't. You don't. We're not waiting for for a cookie. You're like you. That's what you're supposed to do, and that's and I and I love that. You know, they're, they're modest, they're humble. I, I'm 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 all for the uh, the humbleness of the people from the 30s and 40s. It's just hard for me to like think fondly on those people because they were so fucking racist. <laughs> that it's it's, <laughs> it's hard for me to be like that. It's the best generation, and like we couldn't let people I, of different I, I hear you. vote. No, so they, it's, it's they, tough. They were. They're extremely racist. 
Yeah. They're so ex- if we can just like if we can if I like them except for <laughs> except them being for, very racist. Yes. This is I mean true. they didn't they, they hate they hated people like you. They did not like Mexicans. I mean I mean they, <laughs> I they, they, didn't, they didn't they treated Mexicans terribly. Yes. But they're they're the way that they carry themselves is different. Right. That it that that's what I'm talking about. Oh no, God, they they were totally insane. It's it's been saturated throughout the years. You know? I mean, like with you guys, it was always like, Hey, yeah, gays, that's fine, whatever, you know. you know, African Americans, yeah, man, they you know, they, they, they fought for something. They can't you can't be racist, you can't use that word. That's not cool. You know. Um so you you're you guys are totally have been like going through all these filters and stuff, right? But now, like, the real racism is being shown. As a Mexican or a minority, you're always in, in the defense looking. Every time you have a conversation with somebody who's white, you're, you're, you're looking to see how racist they are. It's, it's a very sad thing. It's, I, I, hate, I hate doing it, but it's, it's been so ingrained in me that you're always looking for, for the rub. You're always looking for... So you you're always in you know playing you playing defense all the time. At the very least, um, you know this is an episode about loss, and what you and I can both uh, rest our heads knowing is that we'll never quite shake racism. So it no. will always just sort of be there. I don't think it's ever going away. No, no, it's not. We, I don't know what happened in my class this week, but we were you know we're doing this 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 uh, thing about force and motion physics and all that and about cars and, about, you know, things like that. But something, some kid asked me, Hey, Mr. Rosa, what's going on? Cause we had about 15 minutes left in class. And I guess they heard something about the Laquan McDonald case coming up and here in Chicago, and it's going to be a trial and all this stuff. And well, these kids don't even know about it, even though they were alive when it happened, cause it only happened, you know, two or three years ago, whatever. Right. And so I said, okay, you, you, you guys want to get educated? Here we go. So I, we grabbed the video and, uh, it, cause it's literally <laughs> a mile away from where we are, you know, from their neighborhood. Cause it's just on, we're on Kedzie. It's on Pulaski. It's like right down, it's right down the street. Um, and they, they're even recognizing the stores cause you see him walking, you know, in the middle of the street. And I, I just, I just, I just played it. And they were like, wow, he shot him, you know, a couple of times. Like, no, he shot him 16 times. He goes, when did the guy stop shooting? I'm like, when he, when he ran out of bullets. Yeah. And then I played it again. I said, here, watch this. Here, two shots, he's on the ground. Do you think that he should have stopped shooting at that point? Everybody's like, yes. But then why did he shoot 14 more times? And the guy had a knife. And the guy was was clearly walking on an angle away from the police officer. So uh, they were like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, guys, stop doing story. I I told them straight up. I said, stop doing your stupid stories on Snapchat. Stop with the bullshit and gossip and get pissed off a little bit. Get real here. Get like the kids who in Florida who did all that. I love that, man. That was so freaking awesome. 
what those teenagers did out there in Florida and basically telling the Iron to go fuck themselves. I, that was awesome. I don't, I don't see that enough. And I, you know, it's, I, I, I tell them all the time, it's your show. You know, I'm, I'm fucking 50. I mean, I'm, I'm out of here in 20, 30, 40 years, whatever, you know? So it, this is your show. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, you know, stop with the, with the nonsense and, and start, start getting pissed off because, and I told them, you guys can, are be able, probably will be able to vote in the next election. If you do the math on it, you'll be 18 in the next election. And they're like, oh my God, I'm like, yeah. So, and, and an educated voter is the best voter. So that's what I try to do. That's, that, that's what I try to, you know, that, that's my message. I got eight more years of doing it, and that's it. After that, you know, people can do whatever the hell they want. Well, uh, I, I'm glad you uh, have eight more years, and maybe we'll get eight more years of uh, informed young people. Um, but uh, until I'll see you in, uh, what, uh, a week? I'll see you in like 10 days. I'll see you in 10 days. We're going to go to Ebert Fest. Yes. Thanks for having me on. Calling me out of nowhere. And, and, uh, <laughs> on a line that says unknown. <laughs> I, I, I put you on mute because, you know, that, that's, how, that's how insane I am. Okay? I don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> who's coming on unknown. It's like, but you call me private. Oh, hell no. I'm not going to answer you. Who are you? <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it when they, when they, when they call and then they're like, you know, they, they say my name wrong and then they expect me to talk to them. I'm like, you're supposed to know my name if you want to have a conversation with me. So I don't know you. Obviously, you don't know me. So, hell no. I'm, I'm not having a conversation. Click. It's <laughs> a good okay. move. You know? Well, I'm glad you didn't click on this call. And uh, thanks, thanks so much for coming on. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me. See you in 10 days, Demi. this last spot um, outside. I mentioned at the top of the show that the reason we're even doing this podcast is because I very foolishly, stupidly lost a whole interview with Heather, who you just uh, heard earlier on the podcast talk. Um, Now is, I guess, the portion where I talk about something that I have lost and... uh, I mentioned last week in the Imperioli podcast, you know, um, the loss could be of an item or it could just be uh, of a person or, or a friend or something like that. So I have brought in who I consider to be truly, uh, for now, my okay. best friend. Uh, his is Harrison Cameron. And we are both All going right. to briefly talk about 
um, I think the third, you know, your mom said that you and I and our friend Quinn Bowman were the three amigos. She said that last week when we were, when we were back in Fresno. For sure. So, uh, Harrison, welcome to the show. How do you feel? Um, I feel a little put off by the for now on the whole best friend tag. <laughs> it's the first time I've heard the for now, so that's great. I, it's good that, like, you're very cautious putting this out publicly. No, it's, it's a best friend long time. It will never end until one of us dies, which is hopefully, I honestly hope I go first. Um, but, I do as well. Uh, that's fair, that's fair. You know, yeah, I just feel like I could really milk your death. Really? I feel, yeah, I feel like I could get a lot out of that. I feel like I could really... Really, like, just, you know, oh, he's my best friend. Right. Like, what? And I take over the podcast. You take over. Yeah, and I start interviewing people that knew you, and I'd work through all the people that liked you until eventually we got to the people that disliked you. And then your memory uh, would, you know, memory of you would just be a lot of people disliked you probably well, by the end. Th- this is kind of, um, for reference, last weekend Harrison and I went back to Fresno, which is where I went to high school, and I was getting the last remnants of my shit out of storage from when my family lived there. And uh, we had this idea in driving back to Fresno to make a documentary in which um, we interview people that knew Quinn Bowman, which is one of our best friends from high school, or not even that knew him that well, but people who worked with him at a movie theater. I worked, you know, worked with him at this uh, coffee shop where he does murals. And we went around town in our small town of Fresno and Clovis and interviewed a handful of people that knew him. And now we're doing an episode on this show about loss. And it feels like temporarily we have lost him. Is that fair? We lost him because he's, he, 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 you know, has deliberately, he's he's been lost. He's, he's, um, can you help me out here? I'm trying to, I'm trying to come he 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 disip- not disappeared. He just doesn't want to talk to us or something. Well, I you know I think like for those listening, I think there'll be plenty of people who uh, will describe what we're talking about as like, well, people just drift apart, right? Yeah. And you go to you know you go to high school with a bunch of people, and a handful of them are your friends, and a lot of the time you just don't keep in touch with those people. I mean, how many people are truly good friends with the people they were friends with at eighteen? Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not that many. I mean, but uh, <clears throat> I, I had a lot of uh, relatively good friends at eighteen from high school that I see now in our hometown, and I, I look at my phone as I walk by them. I, I you know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I can't. I can't risk eye contact. You know what I mean? It feels, for whatever reason, that uh, it feels painful to to to, to not be in contact with Quinn because he he felt like some appendage in some way. He felt like that important. Yeah, he was he was he was the you know he was our he was our he was our guy he was our our best pal we were the um <clears throat> the the amigos as as ever mentioned. Do you think there's a reason he won't talk to us anymore? Um, I think there are a, a number of reasons. I don't think he just like is is super busy or whatever. Not that he's not busy. I don't want to like right. Uh, You're but, commenting on his scheduling now. Nope, not trying to do that. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons. Um, he would, he would, you know, uh, we, we all want to leave stuff in our past behind at a certain point. And uh, we, we all choose different stuff. And I think, I think we're just attached to a lot of the stuff he wants to leave behind, probably. Is there something besides our friendship with Quinn that you can think of that you lost recently or something in childhood that you lost that you kind of miss? 
uh, well, I have this one memory uh, from when I was, I was, I was young. I, I think about it once every two months maybe, and it was raining. I, was, I had just moved to Fresno, and I had this toy. We couldn't take a lot or whatever, so I had this, I had this toy, and it was a treasure chest. It was, it was a square plastic treasure chest. It was not a toy. <laughs> At the end of the day, it was not really. I don't know what I was, but it was. I was. I was, it was raining, and I was outside playing, and it's I was a having really a blast. It was. It was a fun toy. While well, I was a pirate, I was outside. It was raining really heavily, and there's you know shh, all this water going down. Yeah. And I dropped it at one point. You dropped. You dropped the chest. I dropped my treasure, and it floated away, and it went into one of those. This is also my first memory of understanding that like that's why those drains exist. You know those. <laughs> where all the water goes into and I was like oh like that's where all the water has to go but my chest is in there yeah, but and I was like down on there and I was reaching in and I was truly so small. spoken like someone like born and raised in California <laughs> it was like I learned about a drain there, like, like what it, are it these? rains it's yeah. bizarre um, and uh, yeah and I lost my treasure chest and I remember I was, I, was on my, I was trying to get in there and I was like was really thinking about like if I could just hop in there I could find it but there was so much water and like, I didn't want to get washed away, <laughs> which was a legitimate fear for me. I was a very small child, you know, yeah. I'm like four or five at this point. And I, uh, I, I just was crying in the rain. Uh, no one could tell cause it was raining. And I, I just went back inside. I was very sad, but that was like the first time I think I, uh, I lost something. Also, I will say, speaking of losing friends, the person who gave me that toy, I had just moved from Arlington, Virginia, where, where I'd lived for like the first you know, like two years of my life early mm. on. And uh, my best friend there had given me that toy. His name was Marshall. Right. And so in a way, maybe I was crying because I lost that friend as well. Ooh, interesting. What do you think? Thoughts? Vaguely. Vaguely interesting. Hey, fuck it. What are you going to do? You know, I, I uh, have not lost that many people in my life. Um, but it actually, now that I'm thinking about it out loud, three days ago on April 4th marked the five-year anniversary of Roger Ebert passing. And that is, besides my grandfather and my uncle, um, truly one of the most painful passings I've ever had. And I, and I guess I can recall the story pretty briefly. I was at lunch. I was in high school. It must have been my senior year. It was 2013. And um, I was like walking back from lunch into campus and I get a call from uh, a friend of mine and, and a fellow film critic at the time, James Ward. Oh, yes. And he leaves a voicemail and he says, I'm so sorry, um, you know, about Roger. And I had no idea what he was talking I was just listening to the voicemail walking in. I was like, what? I mean, I didn't call him back. And I just went on safari as I was walking into the class and I saw that he had died. And... As immediately when I got into it was like AP Lit or something, I told the teacher, I gotta go to the bathroom. I just gotta go to the bathroom. And it was the first time, perhaps even more painful and more emotional than my grandfather passing. Like a person I had only met, I'd only met Roger once, and I'd only had a brief correspondence with him the summer before. I remember just weeping in the bathroom. And being so upset and I left school that day and my dad called because he had read because he was still in Chicago at the time and mm -hmm. it was a huge deal in Chicago it was yeah. the front time you know there's a front page of the Sun Times and the Tribune 
and like on the Chicago theater, it said like goodbye, Roger. Like oh, it was such a huge deal in Chicago, and he called and we talked, and I, I truly think that was the first time I felt like I really lost like a huge part of me, and to this day, it's like every year that every in the last five years, when April Fourth comes around. I can't help but think about that afternoon and, and the time I met him and you read his writing now and it's still like better than everyone else's who still writes about movies and it's so bizarre that like someone I barely knew uh, holds more importance, their death held more importance than family members and cousins and I, and I know that's not, it feels like not appropriate to say but... I don't know. It, it makes sense. Heather constantly talked about spirits and other dimensions. And uh, she has a show that was in New York that I saw where it's essentially her engaging with people that passed. It was her, her grandmother and, and other family members. And I don't know why we lost the episode of her show, but it has kind of made me believe in some sort of spirit intervention, whatever, whatever that means. And... For whatever it's worth, I hope if it does exist, if spirits do sort of linger over us, um, you know, I don't know why Roger would be like watching over this show or watching over me, but I do believe that nothing good that has happened in my life since he passed. Hey, look. That's him passing over right now. Loud, always I think, loud. I, I think it is. Uh, I owe everything to him, and that is uh, my loss. So, Roger, if you're listening, if you're somehow listening, really good headphones. And uh, thank you for everything. And Harrison, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Till episode 150. Absolutely. Uh, I, I do want to say something really quick. Oh, sure. Uh, which, just, just to tie into the Quinn thing, which we're probably not going to... Uh, really do at this point. Yeah, someone's doing some work. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say it. I, I was going to say that the day that uh, Roger passed, I remember because at break, you know, we would all meet up at break. We all had the same place we'd go to. And you weren't there at break or lunch. Mm -hmm. And at break, Quinn came up and was like, like, holy shit. Like, you know, Roger, Roger Ebert died. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, oh, fuck. Like, where's Sam? And then Quinn, Quinn led the, we were, we were looking for you and we wanted to, um, uh, you know, afterwards we wanted to go to your house and just see, see how you were doing. And he was very, uh, he was very concerned. It was, it was, it was just, I, I just, it's funny that you mentioned that because my, my memory of that is, you know, Quinn bringing it up and being very concerned for you and stuff. Yeah. Well, that kind of kindness um, is why I think us not being friends with Quinn is as painful as it is. And, uh, you know, if he's listening, which he probably is not, but if he is, I hope uh, he doesn't become something that's lost for whatever that's worth. I, I agree. That's very, very nice as well. Yeah. So... Um, I guess that's our show. That's our show. For this week, it's our show. Hey. 
Hey, man, we did it. Harrison, thank you so much for coming on. Till yeah. episode 150? Till episode 150. Um, I'll be counting down the days. I hope so. How many days is it? Right now, you're at, where you're 80? Something. 80, 88 this is or 90. something? Okay, I was going to say, I thought it was 88 or like late. So if this is yeah. 90, then, um, oh boy, we're looking at 60 weeks. 60 weeks. Yeah. All right, till then. All right, 60 weeks, baby. So long, everyone. I've been hearing something lovely Sounds like something maybe richer metaphor With a butter to rattle you sink it Back into the earth where no has heard of it and don't you know spring comes bounding to your doorstep leaves a paper trail of lovelies in its way the same as you had Still with pocketfuls of seedlings left to stay That's going to do it for us this week. I want to thank Heather Christian for inspiring the strangeness of today and for being such a good sport about my blunder. To learn more about Heather and her work, be sure to visit her website at www.heatherchristian.com. Also, we'll include more info about her in our show notes at www.talkeasypod.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at TalkEasyPod. I also need to thank my father, and my best pal Harrison for coming on this week. Um, that was both of their appearances were entirely unplanned, and uh, I owe them for making this episode possible. As always, our show is executive produced by David Chen, graphics by Ian Jones, illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Our associate producer is Valerie Attenhofer, and the show is produced by Dylan Peck. I'm Sam Fragoso, and uh, thank you for listening to this unique episode of Talk Easy. We'll be back next week with Chloe Zhao, and, uh, well, I'm going to let Roger play us out. So long, everyone. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are, where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. Find out what makes them tick, what they feel about, what they care about. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. If it's a great movie, it lets you understand a little bit more about what it's like to be a different gender, a different race, a different age, a different economic class. Uh, a different nationality, different profession, different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. 
It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. And that to me is the most noble thing that good movies can do and it's a reason to encourage them and to support them and to go to them. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.